everyone, welcome back to Left Page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer with terrible internet. Um, I am joined, as always, by Leon, my good friend and social scientist. Hello, Leon. I I need to break the loop. We need to find the end. <laughs> I cannot go <laughs> on like this. We're trapped in, in a time loop game, and it's not as fun as you'd imagine. No, no, it's not. We're just normal men. Just just innocent men. Just innocent men. And we're joined by Holly, who we didn't forget to introduce this time. <laughs> hey, it's me. You're not stuck in here with me. I'm stuck in here with you. Hell yeah. Thanks um, Holly for coming, back. Holly. I'm back, yeah. They, for some reason, decided that they wanted me back. So I'm here again to talk about a good book. A book yeah. I like. Nepotism Strikes Again. Yes. You might know Holly from The Good Game. The Good yes. Game. Pentiment yes. Game. The Pentiment episode where I was like, game good. And this episode, I'm just going to be like, book good. Everyone gets a media product and everyone gets a book to talk about. Exactly. And Holly, this is book, book Holly. Yeah, you'll never hear from me again. Yeah, well, if she ever leaves, truly. Yeah, I live in the walls. <laughs> she lives in the walls. Yeah. Someone has to, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. She she doesn't eat your aspis, but uh, she is there. Mm-hmm. Always watching. But yeah, we're talking about uh, a book by Becky Chambers, who I believe you two have talked about before on this podcast. Yeah, we, we talked about A Song for the Wild Bill Monk, a very fun, cozy little sci-fi novel that does deal with some very interesting sci-fi tropes. And mm-hmm. I think this time they're more... Uh, hard-hitting sci-fi elements to this uh, book, but that doesn't make it worse yeah. to wear. No, no, I... It, it's a very interesting book. It, it's part of... It's more long form, I think. It, it tries to b- deal with some bigger issues, like these macro things about galactic society, organization, different species, unlike just humans and robots and, and, and non-sentient animals. And it's it's interesting. I I will get onto my current... Becky Chambers ra- ra- book ranking at one point, but yeah, it was good. It was fun. It, w- it was quite interesting. It's a fun little space adventure. Yeah, um, yeah. It follows. Uh, it follows the crew of the Wayfarer ship, who are our uh, I guess our, our our primary protagonist, Rosemary, uh, mm-hmm. has just joined, and this is a ship. This is a crew whose job it is to. Punch wormholes through space. Uh huh. It's a very cool job, I'll be honest. Well, not the clerk bit, but <laughs> the wormhole. Yeah. But I think once again, we we have this interesting notion about cozy fiction or cozy fantasy or like I don't know, just books that are professional about their vibes, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this is then a very interesting addition to it because it stretches. It straddles the line between just what, once again, this this is problematic for analytical terms, but <laughs> what we would call normal sci-fi, quote-unquote, heavy asterisks, <laughs> and cozy fiction. Yeah. And this, once again, straddles that balance quite, I like to think, just fine. Um, I don't know if anyone else has strong feelings about that. I think... I think that the the assumption when you call something cozy cozy fiction or cozy fantasy 
I think there's there's a sort of assumption that comes with that with that kind of quote unquote genre that it's it's not trying to it's not about anything like it's not it's not got themes because they're for eight, eighth grade book grade reports reports yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um which again I, I i agree that this book isn't quite that like this book does not shy away from uh more important themes um especially in this kind of setting when you have various species and races of aliens interacting humans being one of the lower ones uh in this setting um so i think it 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 straddles that line a bit compared compared to what maybe more atypically considered cozy fantasy where it's like oh it's you know there's there's no problems in this world it's just nice (laughs) yeah no but it does deal with like some very indeed very heavy uh well situations I would say it it's it checks off quite a few uh points on the famous sci-fi checklist. Uh we have human exodus, <laughs> we have intergalactic society, we have sentient um, AI. A sentient AI thing. We do. We have interspecies politics. We have and then we have uh, a ship called the Wayfarer, which is which is such a ship. It's it's a whole ship and then some. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's very this game, this book was described to me as, um, it's like the parts in Mass Effect where you just get to sit and talk to your crew. Oh, it's yeah. it's 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 like that. Yeah. Um, it is it is very much not about the destination; it's about the journey. With this book, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about Mass Effect. Uh, for, <laughs> I think I've done that a bit too many times already, so I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna agree and not say anything else. <laughs> You're gonna keep it in, keep it in just this once. Yeah, just, just for me. Yeah. There are there are there are AI girlfriends, uncheckled AI girlfriends in both of them. But this one is a lot more tragic, I would say. This is um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. Yeah, yeah, oh, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> I think uh, smaller side note. I think that should be your first merch. I think it should just be a T-shirt that says "We'll get to that." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Twenty oh, percent uh, uh, of all profits uh, go to me. Thank you very much. The, the best I can do is uh, two. Shit, I'll take it. <laughs> it's better than nothing. What uh, Frank? Well, uh, what I do want to mention, what you were both talking about in terms of like, this cozy fiction, I think it's interesting because Swan for the Wild Belt hit a lot of specific notes for me that I really enjoyed. I was really ecstatic to talk about that book after I read it. And yeah. I... I, I like this book a lot, and I found it interesting as a point of comparison because the Song for the Wild Build wants to talk about the micro, right? It doesn't want to deal too much with like how we got here, it, and like the bad stuff, and it doesn't necessarily like oh, but things aren't as great. It doesn't want to do like the ambiguous present, like it's a good present, and that's fine. Um, there are questions unanswered and stuff, but it, it wants to do with that that very discreet character work, very uh, focused upon that, and it doesn't want to deviate too much. This book uh, in is building a sci-fi universe as well, and it is inserting a lot of issues and problems in it. And so far, so good. Yeah, well... Well, to me, 
the point comes along, or the issue rather, when you when the connection between the micro and the macro takes place, because then mm, I'm left somewhat dissatisfied. And we'll get to that when we get into the ending. I just want to tease this out because there are things being discussed here of some importance, even in these like micro dimensions of it, like uh, of identity or of like a uh, species and racial politics. Uh, if we can call them kind of like that, or species politics, and you know, listen to our Dragon Age episode uh, for hey, more about that. Now out, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff about that, about you know, about AI, about I don't know, complicated pasts and uh, genocide, and uh, not climate collapse, but post-apocalyptic realities, which is. A whole thing in this world or universe, but and and that is okay. There are issues there, but when you when you try to bring those two points together of like the current state of galactic politics and what the the ruling well the organization the Galactic Common, uh, which is a shit name, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, it, it it does feel like what's the most generic name. We can think of for a galactic union, and uh, the galactic common. Fuck it, let's go. Uh, maybe that's on purpose. I don't know. Maybe uh, once again, we don't we don't spend enough time with the characteristics of this body. To, we like, don't. We don't know how it works. Uh, we get like this <clears throat> non-utopic Starfleet type yeah. dynamic, I would say, which is then is it really Starfleet? It really isn't, I suppose. But I would say that uh, there are the comparable elements of it is that, like, okay, within Starfleet, you have like, the Vulcans, which is like a major species. Humans are a major species, and so forth and so on. And, and I would say this is the same because, once again, humans are not a major species in this galactic union or galactic common. Yeah. Um, but there are major species in there, and there's a certain type of privilege derived from that. That Star Trek does not deal with, except for Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I was just about Ayo. to say, I like this book for the same reasons I like DS Nine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was I was just about to say, like, I, you can. It's obviously definitely as as many things have as Star Star Trek was insanely influential. You can see where it, you know, it takes from 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 that kind of thing. Um. But certainly in the way that DS Nine takes this this very idea of a uh of a perfect. You know, everyone gets along in the Federation. No need for money, you know. Um, and it views that through a very realistic lens. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Federation has enemies. Now what? How do you deal with that? Yeah, no. And how do you deal with those who do not want to be part of it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is almost, which is not quite an enemy, but kind of is, but kind of isn't, but kind of is. And I suppose this um, uh, common is not imprinted by being utopic. So not wanting to be a part of the common is not as big of an issue because it's not utopic. And yeah. we see, that's once again, I'm, I'm sorry, this is now a, a Deep Space Nine episode? Yeah, <laughs> jo yeah surprise. Yeah, actually, this is, this is, yeah. This um, is the Deep Space Nine episode. episode the, one, the most interesting thing in that, uh, <clears throat> one of the most interesting, I think the most interesting, but it, 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 it has some very strong competition um, in, that, in that series is that a group of people did not want to be part of the Starfleet Federation. And uh, and yeah, how do you deal with that if your if your selling point is utopianism? And uh, I don't know. I, I think this is then 
this setting is less burdened by that because we don't know the characteristics and to be honest, we don't know the selling point of uh, the Galactic Common. Do we? We don't. We we really don't. That's interesting. Like it's, it's just there. Yeah, it, it's very much raw sci-fi. Like if Song for the Wildwood wants to tackle the Utopian, this one absolutely does not, and that's not a problem. It's a difference, and it's important because it yeah. allows us to talk about this purely science fictional, which is a construct that doesn't exist, but just about science fictional stuff. <laughs> And we have a very different uh, perspective on it because, once again, um, just to well, I'm not going to explain the whole setting, but I do think it's very interesting to quickly touch upon how the humans uh, are in this universe, which is always the interesting yeah. uh, element. Like, where are the humans and how did we get there? <laughs> um, <clears throat> we are not really explained on how we got there. It is just like, well, we fucked Earth. We yeah. we fucked Earth until surprise, surprise. Yeah, we we, got we until, fucked it, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Lads, lads, we, I think we, we might have fucked it here, <laughs> and um, it's ah, uh, oh, I don't have that. Oh fuck, no, the, Well, there, there's um, I'll interject because there's one single mention, which is not from a human person thinking about it, uh, that there was overpopulation. I was like, Ugh, not this oh. again. But it's one one line, and it's not a person or not a human, so it's probably I will take it as like, oh, that's what they think, but not really. But we don't really know the, any of the specifics. It's just no. we fucked it. All we know is that you have... So you essentially have two types of humans now. Um, you have the an, an Exodon human, uh, which, which uh, are people whose ancestors were on the, you know, big arc ships, very, very typical, this kind of sci-fi, who all got on these ships and traveled far, far into space to try and find a new place to live. And you had the Solon, Solar, Solon, maybe I think it's Solon, humans who made their home on Mars. Um, yeah, Martians. Martians, yeah, essentially. Um, yeehaw. <laughs> yeehaw. Um, yeehaw is a very nice reference to something we're going to talk about next month. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for more sci-fi exodus. I wonder, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> I got. I just mixed them up, actually. So yeah, I uh, on my face. But generally, uh, they they agree Lads, on. I think we might have fucked it here for Earth, and <laughs> it's and yeah, I, I, it's I, I don't know. Um, we don't really know what happens other than once again we fucked it, and uh, then then they you know mostly they they split up between those two, like Holly just said. They put yeah. uh, like most of their exodusy into Mars, which then generates uh, this very interesting opening line, or like one of the very first lines uh, of Rosemary, the one of the main characters. Did we introduce her already? I don't know what loop this, this is. Not I'm this so loop. sorry. Not this. No. Okay, not this. Not loop? this timeline. Okay. So, <laughs> so once again, uh, Rosemary, a herb, um, is uh, is is once again our human uh, pair of eyes. And is once again our introduction to this universe and to this crew, the crew of the Wayfarer, which is the ship that we selected place on. And we have this very interesting opening uh, introduction by her that she's from like a wealthy family, um, but kind of wanted to be like, no, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. It's like succe- succession, but in like half a paragraph. Um, you yeah, <laughs> you get the sense from that opening first chapter. You can you can tell that she is. She is on the run in some way, either 
not necessarily that she is being chased, but that yeah. she has left her old life behind and has given everything to get this far away from her old life. Like, yeah, literal light years exactly. away. She doesn't want to eat bugs anymore. Which, you know, I did find that really funny. Like, oh, I come from eating bugs, which is a sign of wealth, I believe. Um, no, it's the opposite way around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so when um when she gets uh she gets her first dinner with the crew uh and i i i really like a lot about that first like that first run around the ship she gets um but they you know they they eat bugs uh because they are easy to breed and a high source of protein and she feels like embarrassed in a place that she's never had to eat one of these before oh okay right 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 it's been a while since i read this one sorry sorry listener but um yeah no i once again, I I find it then interesting that in this galaxy, uh, it's very much still like Earth in the sense that there are there's there's class, I suppose. Let, let let me not go on too much. There's class in space. Yeah, great. That's that's, that's <laughs> we love it. We can't <laughs> escape it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I once again, it's fine because uh, it explores those notions well enough. Um. The, the the core difference then I would say structurally is that Song for the Walu Monk is a singular conversation, a linear yeah. singular conversation. Whereas mm-hmm. this is you would be excused to think this is a collection of source stories. Yes. And yeah. which is fine. So, so shall I explain how this book is structured then? Well yes. I just I just I just kinda did. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, go on, go on. Well, we, we get a lot of well, the the main point is they are going to go on a longer job. They they punch wormholes in space, which is pretty cool. And... Which beckons questions, but that's fine. We don't need. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's cool enough where I can forgive it. Yeah, totally. They raise some of them, but wave them away with uh, powerful species that allows us to do it without issue. That's that's the solution there. They get this job to go into this kind of, I'm not going to call it fringe, but. This unstable region uh, near to the galactic core to like punch a hole and establish a gateway to like more common ground, so to speak. So they need to basically do the first because it's a one way trip. They're going to go to the place so they can set up the uh, the gate there and uh, finish the job as they get back home. They're going to do they are they are heading into the space of a potential new addition to the gla- to the galactic commons. Um, yes. And we, we, I want to talk a bit about that, uh, that mission or, or the, this potential new addition, because I think that's, that's really interesting and we don't get much time of them, but uh, effectively it's the crew up to that point. It's what they're doing, what they're thinking, where they go. They, they stop back home. They visit friends along the way. Because it takes like, we never get told the the what because they use a reference of like, what is a standard, and we never told what a standard is. I think it's kind of like a, a year equivalent. Yeah, it can be. I I always I got the I got the sense that it was inferred. It can be comparable to about a year. It is right. <laughs> yeah, or at least equivalent or, or yeah. something along those lines. And so it's like, it's a long haul to get there. So we follow their stories throughout these various characters and pretty much most of the crew 
uh, end up uh, being the focal character for that chapter and whatnot. And it's there's no real connection point which, which between most of the stories. They they have the same context, but it's like oh, what leads story C to story D? Nothing. Just that they're still the same journey, the same crew in a more advanced point in time, and that is interesting. But it makes the book feel kind of fragmented that you're reading separate stories there and there and later and later and it's it's not bad but it's a bit weird i think yeah i think it's one of the one of the hindrances the book has especially because you have nine people on this crew and this is a comparative short book um the book kind of you meet Corbin at the start, the book kind of just forget his seas exist for a while. And to be fair, his character would be the kind of character to really kind of isolate himself from the rest of the crew. That's fair. Um, but he really doesn't become narratively important, so to speak, yeah. for quite a while in the book. Um, which I think is the one thing that hampers it. As much as I enjoy all these little vignettes into the crew's life on this year-long trip and how they grow together... Um, it's a shame that things can definitely feel weighted in almost one character's direction. You can definitely tell she likely had, you know, favorite characters to write. Yeah, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but we we they're very weighted. Like some characters have a lot more screen time or narrative time than others. And I don't think, do we get a chapter by Dr. Chef? Not directly from his point of view, I don't think. Not that I remember. Oh. I could be wrong, but if if we ever do it, it must just be like a singular one. More as the pity, mm. really. Yeah. Yeah. Love Chef. Yeah, oh, yeah no. he was. He was one for for those who have not read the book. I suppose we should. I assume we're just going to go spoilers galore. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Chef is described as. Essentially, if you took an otter and make it made it about uh like eight feet tall and it's got uh like six arms, um, but it also it's like a caterpillar otter creature. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> just a herb. Just a herb. Just a herb. Um, <laughs> Love him. But yeah, we get uh we get an introduction to all of the characters. Um, so obviously you have Rosemary, who is our for for lack of a better term, our 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 main our main main character, yeah. You have Ashby, who's the captain of the Wayfarer, um, who is also a human. Um, you have Sissix, who is an Andra Andrisk, uh, who is which is this this um, big lizard, hot lizard. Don't call her lizard. Um, reptile, <laughs> hot reptile. Rep- yeah, reptilian bipedal reptilian race. Who I have a big soft spot for reasons we'll get into later. You has you have Kizzy, uh, who is a human and who is one of the techs, along with Jenks, who is also a tech. Uh, Lovey, uh, which is short for Lovelace, is the sentient AI on the on the ship, which becomes a very uh, rec- big sort of uh, quote unquote big plot point. Uh, Corbin, as I mentioned earlier, he is the algiest. So essentially, these when you have these long how these long haul ship works is they use algae for uh, air, for fuel, to essentially sustain themselves on these long, long trips. 
Um, you have Dr. Chef, as we mentioned, who is uh, a chef and a doctor. That's why he's called Dr. Chef. It's in the name. <laughs> um, and you have Ohan, who is a very interesting... Uh, they are a very interesting... They are a cyanate pair, which is essentially this, which again becomes a plot point later in the book, a species who, when they are young, they become infected with this virus um, that essentially acts as a host to this virus and it's the thing that it always made me think of obviously is trills from star trek although it's not quite as it's not quite as symbiotic as those Mm -hmm. um yeah and we we kind of learn that this virus does shorten their lifespans uh by a considerable amount um and these cyanats are who navigate in not in like subspace almost when they're punching these wormholes uh which is the the uh to save to save the book being a very very hard science they're just like there's a there's a cool alien race who could do this and i'm like all right i'm cool with that yeah yeah that's the explanation (laughs) Mm -hmm. remind me a bit of the keepers from mass effect as well Um, yes just like little guys (laughs) just weird little dudes just hanging around don't ask them what they're doing would, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's uh, let's scuttle around professionally. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. God, I wish that was me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a dick here for a second. What is more narrative? Who is more narratively interesting, the cyanide pairs or the keepers? Oh, the cyanide pairs, I would say. Yeah, because the keepers are just there, and we then professionally never talk about them again. Yeah. Well, they do get some story eventually. Not but... really. I I think bit. the sign up pair specifically because of the uh, what happens to Ohan specifically. Oh yeah, what definitely. Them, um, and how uh, when the book remembers that Corbin exists. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, like we we get introduced to this this crew the ship and it is it's very clear from the start that this is a it is a patchwork ship it is a patchwork crew but they all have lots you know they all have uh well most all of them art. most of them most of them have care for each other um <laughs> corbin corbin specifically stands out as the one who a lot of the he he clashes directly with sissix who is the pilot her and him both they are probably the two that clash the most. Um, yeah. But generally, they all care for each other. There is a lot of heart to this crew. It's a it's a patchwork ship for a patchwork family. They uh, Rosemary describes seeing how the ship is clearly built from other ships from scrap, but is surprisingly solid. So, so I always like this nice little comparison because um, <laughs> that's exactly what the crew is like, you know. Um, yeah. Lots of different races, lots of different species, but they make it work. Yeah. No, I find it very interesting then. I did, once again, one of my favorite uh, things to do in sci-fi is then always examine human culture through a fictional alien lens. Yeah, Which is which is always good. Um, surprise, surprise, the social scientist person likes that. Um, it's... Um, <laughs> who, would, who would have thought? Uh, but <laughs> other than that, I would say that it is interesting mainly because it allows us, once again, it's such an interesting one-person Socratic conversation, I would argue, <laughs> in the sense that like we examine this thing as we go along, and 
it, it it's it's always very interesting. It has, if if I'm allowed to be dramatic, such conversations have utopic potential in the mm. sense that, um, yeah, no, in the sense that we can examine these things about our culture, and once again deal with them and ask the very important question: What if? What if better? What if not worse? And this book sometimes plays with that a little bit. It it, it talks a bit about the hangups people have about like uh, sexual intimacy and like once again, uh, this this hangups about nakedness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but but then that that's dropped and we move on to something else, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can't just be a little 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 primer, little point that is that is then raised. Uh, Sissix talks a little bit about it here and there. Yeah. I honestly, I personally, I liked how, like the first the first example you get is when Rosemary first meets Sussex. Uh, you, she you kind of you 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 read as she's going over like things she knows about that species in her head, you know like okay reptilian cold blooded promiscuous, and she like she kind of corrects herself like no that's my human bias looking at that they have very different family and intimacy structures than we do, and she and she like you know she has that. So, uh, subconscious bias and instantly correct it I kind of liked how it was very just like um, it wasn't made a big thing off as if like that's something people should should do and it is normal to do uh, that people think about that certainly these characters whose POV we are following and yeah and how we see how Sissix, Six, Sissix doesn't usually like wearing clothes but she wears it for the rest of the crew like they all make accommodations for each other the crew is the the, the ship is kept very warm uh, because of specifically for Sussex uh, because if it was too cold she would you know she's cold blooded um, mm-hmm. and that's how reptiles work see mm-hmm. zoology coming in clutch yeah zoology that you know yeah. that, that very real science that everyone <laughs> totally respects it's like when we invite the zoologists on it's, it's every time it's everyone pretending that that's, that's a real science mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. whenever they open their mouth like Shark enzymes can help with Alzheimer's. Like, uh, yeah, sure, buddy. Sure, here, here you go. Um, <laughs> Here's your gold star. Yeah. <laughs> shark, shark enzymes can actually help people with Alzheimer's. It's very, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's, I just wanted know everybody that. to know <laughs> that that's a real thing. <laughs> but it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and that's why I love it. No, but, um, but yeah, no, if, if one problem then with all of this, I would say is, um, and I understand, I understand it is, it, it is, I wouldn't say emburdened with its own setting, but mm. it has to go on. It has to go on a school space adventure. And I understand that. And I like it. It is just for me. And here is where I'm going to have to be typical Leon again. And I'm so sorry, but uh, not really. Don't. But, don't. Uh, <laughs> don't apologize. We all know you're not sorry. It's fine. <laughs> um, it is then a the, the little bit. Um, it's very interesting then that, that we recognize human culture still through Rosemary. The, the promiscuity thing that you just pointed out, I think is then very interesting. It is just uh, humanity went through a lot. Uh, what what's human culture like now? We cannot go through all of that mm. and still have identical, recognizable human culture. I would yes. argue, or at least there. Well, once again, there are elements we should be able to recognize, probably. But it, it's it's kind of one for one. Uh, what we what we know about Rosemary and where she gets where she where she tries to flee. Is there still very recognizably human? I would argue. That's what I was actually. I was just going to say. Like, do you <laughs> do we think that the reason she has those biases that she is trying to combat herself is that is because she is from Mars? Spoilers. Yeah. 
Mm. And because that those those were the humans that stayed for whatever the reason they could not let go of Earth, they could not leave Earth behind fully. Um how like how has that Im- impacted their biases compared to the Exodian humans? I agree. I think that'd be very interesting to touch on, and it is a shame that this book doesn't quite again, I'm not sure. I have I have the other books in the series, I have not read them yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something she touches on in further books. Yeah, no, yeah. I, that would be interesting. Yeah, because we, we, we get this point of comparison with these other species and cultures, but we never really get it. It's like, okay, how has human culture changed? And how is Exodan human culture fundamentally distinct or not? We get one uh, They're cooler. <laughs> they're, they just fuck more. We know that from Ashby. Yeah, we do, and that yeah. is a very everyone's good point. fucking. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, if, if we're going to be real here, there's plenty of people today who don't need to be exodent to want to do a lot of that, um, and that's fine. Absolutely no judgment. But it I mean, does go help. For it. it does help. Uh, true, but we only get one point about like, oh, this is what's big about exodent culture, and we also. It's not terribly convincing. Or it's like, I wanted more about this. So we fucked it. Gotta leave Earth. And right. we we gotta understand that, you know, we can't do it in conflict anymore. We can't do it boring or whatever. So we kind of shifted into becoming pretty strongly pacifist. But that's... Yes. We don't get the specifics of that. Okay, but well, what does that mean? Does that mean an abhorrence towards violence? Does that mean different kinds of violence? How do they understand violence now? Because um, violence is a pretty complicated issue, both conceptually and in 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 practice, right? Like, we, we can think of violence in terms of structural oppression, or we can think of violence of, you know, punching or shooting someone in mm-hmm. self-defense or offensively. And we don't get those specifics because we because get, that gets touched on a lot because Ashby is dating a very cool alien woman. Uh, what, she's so uh, cool. What? She's so cool and hot. I love her. Her name is she Pei. Is. Yes. Uh, yes. What's what's her species a part of again? I forgot. Oh, um, I don't know if I wrote this down. Fake fan. Mm. Fake fan. Uh, Aulon. Oh. Uh, Aeulon. A-E-L-U-O-N. Thank you, Holly. You're welcome. And and they're 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 told to be or seem to be very generally beautiful by most species in the galaxy and whatnot. Yeah, no, sorry for Mass Effect. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Blue. But but they don't talk. They have voice boxes. Uh, which is a neat touch. Hmm? That can be hard. I mean, sure. I mean, just saying that's a different and an interesting touch. I um, would it's love... okay. We're we're gonna play Smash or Pass at the end of the episode. Don't worry about I... it. Oh, thanks, Holly. <laughs> um, your only lasting legacy, really. Um, yeah. But I would love, and this is just. I'm so sorry. This is a side note, but I I I'm kind of disappointed by the fact that they, they are very hot species, but their voice boxes have voices to match human ideas of hot. I I would have loved if their voice box sounded like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Holy! <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know. They just I don't know. If, if when, that, when that species totally different sonic capabilities and like um, having different association, a sonic association with like what what it sounds attractive and what doesn't sound mm-hmm. attractive. 
And you know, there's variables for humans as well in that regard. Uh, maybe there is this one single person that gets the hops from his crafts. I don't know. Uh, I don't shame. Uh, but other yeah. than that, it's <clears throat> it's you know, I would have I would have loved it if like the epitome of hotness in that culture was like old sailory man talk or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, have that fun with so it. Cool. It, it. This 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 once again, uh, no offense, uh, Miss, Mrs. Chambers or Miss Chambers, um, but it I feel like. It tries to like flirt with the ridiculous from time to time, or the silliness—not the ridiculous, but silliness—and yeah. I feel like just go on full ridiculous. Yeah, please. sometimes this book <laughs> yeah. dips its toe into being a little silly and a little yeah. goofy, and it doesn't quite commit. It's and I can go underwater. It, 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 it does coward. sometimes feel like, okay, what lane are you picking? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you were saying so, Ashby, Ashby. Uh, exoding human pacifist is dating Pei, who is doing all these cool missions. Yeah, um, yeah. She comes back and she's like, "Hi, honey. Like, how was your? How was it punching a wormhole?" And she's like, "That's fine. How was your your cool space mission?" And like, she's got these new scars and what? I was like, "What?" Because she's like this cargo runner for like the GC or something or, or mm-hmm. military work, so it's pretty serious. And she, you know, kills different species and stuff and gets into conflict. And Ashby's like, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> and that's as much of, like, raw pacifism we get. Well, I think it also comes ahead when, well, when the pirates turn up. When the pirates turn up, mm. it is it is Rosemary who, who steps in to kind of, to, you know, take control of the situation and essentially save the crew. Um... Ashby, you know, and she, I believe, like, she has a go at him afterwards, you know, because saying that he has, he has a responsibility as captain, if he's going to be a pacifist, he has to understand how that, how that reflects his responsibility as a captain to protect his crew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pirates are like, FBI, open up! And Rosemary <laughs> is like, no. And, you know, that's, all, that's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she, well. She's she's able to actually communicate with them and actually sort out the situation. Um, yeah, through like I don't know, like um, well, well, I suppose he, <laughs> I suppose she's doing a social science, um, which shows yeah. the deep and usefulness of like you know having basic empathy with cultures yeah. and understanding people's time and place in history, being that being a useful thing in general. Who would have thought, really? Um, Who would have yeah. expected it? Yeah, fuck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we wish. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, but yeah, I do find... And I think it's, it's... Okay. So I will then compliment the whole change in maybe human perspective a little bit. Because I think Rosemary in particular... <clears throat> and I don't know why the other humans aren't doing this. But, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I think Rosemary is able to understand this group of pirate species... Because this group of pirate species is definitely what humans could have been if they mm-hmm. yeah. weren't joined into the collective common. Which, once again, what is very is something that like humans are kind of bullied by. Like, oh, oh, you you fucking you ball and chain to us good species that enter the collective common who still have their home planet. By the way, nice job, fuckheads. Yeah, we didn't, um, <laughs> we didn't fuck ours up. It yeah, did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it here. And, and I don't know. Um, I think that that was interesting, but doesn't really go anywhere. Um, which is fine. But 
I was gonna say that's that's kind of a re reoccurring thing with this book. I feel you have these really interesting things, but it doesn't quite have <laughs> either no n like neither the time nor want to really expand on them. And on one hand, I kind of like that style sometimes. Like it's nice yeah. when a book uh, reveals things to you naturally and does not just dump exposition on you and i think that can work very well it just has the hindrance of sometimes you're like but why okay you yeah. told me this but why like take me take me four steps you know backwards from that why did this happen in the first place and i do um, think that's that's one one of the most difficult things in fiction writing yes I, absolutely balancing I, that line because i have been i've probably i don't know what episode it was but i know i've complimented books on like purposely not doing exposition as well with um <laughs> with like oh i would love to see like the way i describe it always is my fantasy seeping into the crevices of the stories yes and mm -hmm. once again this is uh this is why people have severe compulsion to write fan fiction for example uh it's a it's a process to make sense of the text that's there yes. and uh, even mm -hmm. though i will i will never read it um i still respect the craft i suppose shrug and it's um i don't know it, it's, it's interesting then do, where do we start that balance? And I don't have an answer for that. But the problem here is that it wants to do these sociological narratives. And I do need a bit more insight to fully get into um, this whole process. Like, once again, the Star Trek does it really well. Maybe as one of the best sci-fi creations of all time. It's... Um, well, possibly. Yeah. It, well, it definitely has, like, claim to yeah. the title, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, it, at least in the top five, I suppose. And, and 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 yeah, I, I I do they do very diligently build the social context surrounding these problems, and 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 once again, I could also be a fan by not doing that. But I feel like once again, this book has that one foot in, one foot out, and they they have yeah. one foot in each yeah. lane. Mm -hmm. Which once again, I don't I don't begrudge a writer for that. I don't think it's terrible, mm -hmm. um, but but it does like. At least this very minor little um, dissatisfaction yeah. within me of like ah hmm ah hmm I, yeah I, I all like this it, to I don't say it. yeah all this to say this book is still very good oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it is really and I think I think this this is why it stems like all these these kind of issues stem from the fact that it is it is really about the characters and mm. the world is just sort of there for the characters to interact with yeah. rather than the world being there and the characters just kind of being there so the world is filled yeah. um, it is really about mm -hmm. the characters and their interactions with each other and how this um this this found family um <laughs> kind of for for one you know for lack of a better term sometimes um interacts with each other and how they welcome in a new a new member to this crew when when rosemary first arrives you know this is the first time she's ever been on this ship and she's very clearly out of place um, but they, you know, they fill her room with little homey things, little details. They greet her with a welcome home dinner. Like this is a very welcoming, welcoming environment and crew. Yeah. And it's very, I always like it because, so I've, this is the second time reading this. To me, reading this book is like sitting inside in a, uh, like wrapped in a warm blanket while the rain's on outside. Like it's cozy. It's comfortable. It's not, it doesn't treat you quite like an, it doesn't treat you like an idiot, <laughs> if you know what I mean. No. Like, you no, know, no. when some fiction like treats you like an imbecile, I need to spell everything out. <laughs> um, and it's really frustrating because it, it just takes away from anything good that the book might be. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a big, I have a big fondness for found family as a, as a theme and as a trope. Um, mm-hmm. for multiple reasons, a lot because it always feels like a very queer story to me, and there's definitely elements of queerness to this, to this um story for sure, and I like. I just like how this book handles and how it so casually talks about some things. But again, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. It can be both a, a bane and a boon to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's very cool how, indeed, how casual it is by, um, I forgot the guy that could like change genders based on like biological uh, time or whatever. Like they're within these decades, they are this gender. Within that decade, they are that culture gender. chefs race. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think that's you know that's cool. Um, I think once again, um, the problem is that you then also need to have like a trans person, transhuman as well. Otherwise, you make it seem that transness or like changing genders or gender is alien. Work. It's yeah, yeah, it's an alien mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I think oh, would have been nice uh, with all the humans that we have on board. Um, <laughs> Which, which I would say, um, I think is, it's not, it's not, it's not a bad decision. I would once again. I always like the aliens more. I, don't, I never really like humans oh, yeah. in sci-fi. It's because they're always, cool. Yeah, but so it's I don't know why there's cool so many fucking humans hot. on the Wayfair. Ex- yeah. Usually both. <laughs> and and I don't know. Um, it's a very comfortable space for Rosemary to be inserted into. I would argue. Yeah. Yes, they are all good and, and kind, but it's once again. But the captain, human. Uh, yes. The person responsible for like uh, the the important stuff going on, the technic stuff, human. Yeah, there's five um, humans on board. Yes. So yes. and you right. do you do get to see more aliens through, if you know through the book, of course. But your main comp, your main crew is still humans. Yeah, and we so the alien, <laughs> the alienness of the aliens <laughs> is very cornered and like safe. I would say. Yeah. I'm not saying this is necessarily mm. done purposefully, but Rosemary never has to like really try, I would argue. She's still very much well, once again, um, I'm not saying she experiences full on privilege like she has done in her youth, but it is it she is still very much like uh only has to like care a little bit. It would have been more interesting if she was literally the only human on the on the spirit, on the ship. Yes. And I would argue yes. three humans would have been enough, including her. The yeah, two other humans. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think I think the captain. I think it would have been cool if the captain was an alien. Oh, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it would have been cool if, like, maybe maybe uh, Kizzy or Jenks was also an alien. Yeah, yeah. To to kind of add to that point, I think, and I think that's kind of like because this would have been like a, a larger issue that would carry throughout the book or the interactions with the ship, and. There is real tension, there's real issues sometimes in the individual stories. But aside from the wider narrative of like, oh, they're on this mission, they're going to do that and that there, that's the largest or pretty much kind of the only uh, guiding through line through all all the stories. And the the issue was just like, okay, uh, we have all these humans, how do they relate to these kinds of experiences differently? And that is not brought up. Because uh, it, it feels, at least to me, sometimes it's like, okay, Ashby's the one that's going to be the character to talk about the pacifism. And Rosemary's the one that's going to talk about, you know, the, the family history, the, the Martian thing. That's, that's what she's going to talk about. 
and a bit about the, the relationship aspect. Jinx is going to be the one to talk about AI with, and and so on. There's little overlap between the, the specific narratives, and, you know, I, I don't mind the stories themselves, but I like the themes or the ideas that are going through each character, the what they're dealing with mostly to kind of... I would like to see the stories to overflow and kind of drip into each other a bit more and yes. start interacting. But aside from, oh, they had that to deal with or they have that that they're dealing with rather than it's like, oh, okay, A this, B this, C this, D that. So it's like, okay, these stories are interconnected because they're also a crew. And if they are this friendship or this found family, then these things aren't just individual issues at the end of the day, are they? They're collective ones as well. And I feel like yeah. I, for, for all the the crew uh, and being a crew, I'd like the that handling in their personal relationships as well, or their personal issues, which are somewhat quite serious. Like they're boarded by pirates, and that's pretty big issue, and deals with uh, a lot of things that that at least Ashby is thinking about, and you know would would want more. Having talking about this kind of thing always reminds me. Me and Leon a couple of years ago watched Spartacus together. Oh, and... Okay, <laughs> I don't yeah. know where this is going, but I... great show by the way. Oh, so good! You should Amazing. watch it. There's there's so there's, bo- there's boobs and butt in it. It's great. And um, dick. And dick. They show dick. Yeah, it's great. Um, but it's something that I really that really surprised me about that show, and that Leon was very excited to show me was that no thread is ever left. No thread is ever, no storyline is ever done uh, without purpose. And Mm. it all sort of interconnects into things. And Mm. whenever I think about stories that try to do that and that do it well, I just instantly think of Spartacus now. Um, Thank you, Leon. Um, And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily detract from how much I enjoy these stories individually, but it definitely would be nice to see them all link in. Like, how does say say how does uh what happened to rosemary in this story uh change how she interacts maybe with sissix in this story you know yeah it's it would be nice to have a follow-through but again it doesn't detract from it but it's it's yeah. definitely one of the areas where you could see oh but this this would just be this is already very good it would be even better if they all connected yeah like on the <laughs> This is getting way too close to some of the stuff I've been writing on my thesis lately in the sense of like where we wanted more. And and I think there's one part that's like, you yeah, know, we we're kind of we are valuing the book for what it's doing and what it's presenting. But also we're seeing like these incomplete aspects of it or like where this could connect to more and where it's like it leaves us wanting, um, which is difficult to do. But uh, I think since we're speaking in these like general terms and of these stories, it it kind of works and kind of gives us reason to like, yeah, no, this these stories aren't bad; they're good. But they the connection or the through line that is there could be even better or even more expanding or more thorough. Really, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It was it would really it would enhance what is already a fantastic book. Yeah, um, exactly. And a fantastic, fantastic stories. Um, I, I I have a lot of fondness for this book. It's very. I'm really looking forward to to reading the others. I hope. I really do hope that. So this book I learned recently was actually written as part of a Kickstarter, and 
she wrote this when she was like 29. So I'm hoping that other books in the series maybe touch on things from here, maybe improve on that. You know, it's yeah, when I, I think they do. Yeah, which I which I'm very much looking forward to and definitely makes me, you know, excited to read the other ones. I think there's there's four other books and one novella, I believe. Mm. I think it's either it's either three books and one novella or four books and one novella. But I, I really hope that you know, some of those questions get answered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe. Which I mean, um, good uh um, good strategy to make people buy your books. <laughs> hey, hey, you want answers? Ah, oh, go read my other books. <laughs> Stay tuned on the next. Stay season. tuned yeah. for next season. Historically, <laughs> fairly successful as a tactic. That's true. Well, it is on the uh, illustrious Esquire top fifty list for a reason, isn't it, Frank? Oh Christ! Ah, <laughs> uh, we will eventually have to do other list episodes or bad lists. I mean, and that's going to be one of them. Would love so. to do a good list episode. Uh, some Sadly, those are not as common as you would think. <laughs> um, we might have to do, make our own list, actually. Stay mm. tuned for that next month. Um, <laughs> Lots of foreshadowing here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of heavy lifting. This yeah. episode is doing a lot of heavy lifting for next <laughs> month, um, which, is, which is fine. Um, yeah, I think it's a good it's a good counterpoint. I think this discuss, yeah, yeah. some of the discussions here because we are also thinking forward and it's like, okay, how does this connect to this and how this connect to this and they're very different books and trying definitely. to do very different things. Fair, fair point. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Speaking of it, I I want to talk a bit about and I want to know what you all think about some of the things that happen at the end. So one thing that I found kind of jarring about it and I really didn't like, but and there's and and I and I think it's bad. And other stuff that I just personally don't like and have issues with, but I don't not sure if it's necessarily bad. But it's it's about this what, what I mentioned, the connection between the larger story or the larger story of universe and so on, with the smaller story of the Wayfair when they connect. In other words, when they get to the destination and going and are going to do the mission. That's the point. So as I mentioned, they're gonna go to the Galactic Core to do this wormhole. Because the GC is kind of establishing a new alliance with this species, which are the Toremi. Uh, but the Toremi, they, they're very divided, and which is a thing that happens with a large number of species. Again, that's a, a larger question of sci-fi and uh, federations of like, okay, which if they want to, if they're not united, do you accept them separately? Do you not? This is not utopic, so it doesn't matter that much, but it's something. And, and I think it's important how the other characters talk about the Um But effectively, the GC is is establishing an alliance with one of the Toremi clans. That's how they're, spo- how they're mentioned. The Toremi Ka. And they go over there to kind of set up the wormhole. There's this diplomatic meeting. And suddenly, we get a point of view from one of the Toremi. Or one of the Toremi Ka, I should say. And out of the blue, it's just a thing that happens. Yeah, if I remember, I remember distinctly feeling it was very jarring. Not so much the second time because I was expecting it, but the first time I read it, I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess we're here now." Yeah, it's um, th- there's no preface, there's no no point of connection, and it's just that one. There, there's not even any more. And you know, it is the thing. If it, if there were like recurring Toremika chapters, that would be fine. But it's like at the end to give some foreshadowing to things going wrong 
because let's be honest, of course something would go wrong <laughs> more than it was before. And we get this chapter, which I it's I, I don't like how it's there jarringly. Then things go wrong, uh, because of course they do, because one of the Toremikais kind of get, gets his ship and kind of blow, fires at them and fucks up the mission and they almost die in the process and things go pretty poorly and then they arrive at the other end and and then there's like this you know diplomatic court stuff that happens sometimes in novels and Ashby speaks to like the GC council parliament something um and the the temporary alliance that was being established between the GC and the Toremika is kind of dissolved because of uh you know, the risk that could be involved for the GC citizens and what might happen next and so on. So that is um, pretty much the, the, the larger political galactic efforts for this book end up in naught, pretty much. That's, um, that's the conclusion. And that scene is kind of like a good thing by the crew of uh, the Wayfair and everyone's like, oh, it was risky, it wasn't safe and whatnot. And it's like, um, sure, but it would never be safe. Uh, if, if we're talking about, you know, engaging in different people, different society and trying to do s- something like this, there, there will be people opposing, sometimes more or less violently. Unfortunately, it was more violently. But um, I, the fact that it's like, okay, no, we, we're going to withdraw from this and, uh, you know, we're going to wait and see. I don't like that solution i I feel like it's like yeah this feels like a non-engagement uh because and here's where i draw my point it's like i don't think the macro connects well the micro from a micro perspective that's positive because they as gc citizens and others you know they're made safe and so not going to do these risk things anymore and whatnot okay fair enough but on the other hand from a larger galactic point it's like yeah you're still shutting out the toremika and uh, not you know, it, 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 so what now? It, it, it's it, that that aspect of the the ending and the conclusion of the book left me kind of. I didn't like it. I, I I I expected something different, and I'll tell you in a bit what I wanted. But I I don't know. I was left fairly dissatisfied with it. It's like I get it, but I don't know. And and it, it fits with the book because the book's not trying to do the macro explanation thing or that full engagement. But it was parallel a, a bit at least. And yeah. I just, it didn't gel well with me. It's definitely, it's definitely the weakest part of the book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it, it kind of feels like, you know, she was, she was like, okay, I just need to get, I need to get, I need a reason for them to be on the ship for a year. Yeah. And that whole, that whole thing kind of became a second thought. And then she was like, oh, okay, we'll wrap it up at the end, I guess. And it, it definitely feels like, uh, like, okay, they're on this job. All the stuff, all the all the book is talking about is their traveling, their um, their interactions. That's all great. And then it's like, oh yeah, we'll ra- we'll wrap up this plot point really quick. Just, uh, yeah. Two seconds. Let me uh, let me just uh, wrap this up. Um, it's definitely the weakest part of the book for sure. Um, and it does it, it is the most jarring in terms of pace. Uh, I feel like, which is a bit of a shame because for such a for for a book that has such a strong start and middle, it does kind of dip off. Yeah, because the two well, what also happens in this the other the other big thing of the ending mm-hmm. um, is the Lovey, who through who so through this whole book, um, Lovey 
Jenks is in love with Lovey, who is the sentient AI on the ship. Um, she does not have a physical body, but while they're at one of these one of the ports, uh, picking up uh, picking up supplies, he gets in touch with a connection and asks about essentially getting a robot body for Lovey. And uh, there's a it's a it's a very interesting conversation and choice that they both have to make. Uh, if Lovey wants to do this, um, if if it's I believe I don't think it's legal. I believe no. I can't remember. Yeah, it's is this allowed. Is this-, is this allowed? No, it's definitely not allowed. And Ooh. there's something. There is something. I know. Like, let them fuck robots. Don't be cowards. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. Um, there's something. There is definitely something sweet about, you know, the classic, you know, well, defying, defying the laws for our love. You know, very, yeah. you know. And it's, it's subtext. Yeah, and it's it's very it's clear that you know, Jenks like, you know, Jenks loves Lovey and Lovey for all intents and purposes is a sentient AI. But due to the other uh, the, the ship gets gets attacked near the end of the book by the Theremi, Lovey essentially has to factory reset and she's gone. Um, the Lovey that Jenks knew and loved is completely gone, and it is. It is a really sad. It is probably the. It's one of the saddest moments of the book where he realized that she is. She's wiped. She not only is she dead. She is wiped from existence. Yeah. Um, and it's this yeah. very. There's a very. Uh, it feels like there a proper finality to. Um, there's no way he's ever gonna get her back, and Lovey, who resets and becomes. Lovelace, you know, factory factory settings. Lovelace, a whole new personality, ends up going on to this robot body and leaving to not because other because other to to prevent Jenks from being in pain, having to be around essentially uh, uh, a reboot of the a reboot of the 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 person he loved, which is it's weird because the thing with the uh, I feel like that's a much more impactful ending. Than the thing with the, oh, yeah. oh uh, definitely the, the thing with the uh, Trami is, and it's a shame that it's almost, uh, like oh yeah we'll we'll get to that in a minute guys but we got we got these aliens to deal with, <laughs> yeah, um, it really like it honestly it really feels like you don't you didn't even need the subplot with the Trami in the first place, um, like you oh, could yeah. have just put them on you could have just put them on a ship for a job that lasts a year. And I don't think there was. Sometimes I don't feel like this whole subplot with this potential new, a potential new addition to the GC, considering how it is wrapped up. Like if if you were gonna have this plot in the book, make it worthwhile, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, but I think that's exactly what I was trying to say earlier with like having a lag in each field, and what Frank was trying to say with micro and macro. Um, but I think we all were getting at kind of the same point. Because you have those both legs in both fields, you do kind of need to have that as a as as a <clears throat> as a point in there. Do I think it's executed well? No. Yeah. But but, but once again, so one thing, and I think to like elaborate a little bit more on what you said, Frank, um, mm-hmm. at least a bad taste. Um, I think it's because uh, giant super supranational in this case supra system um, organizations. Uh, it's not just nations, it's not just planets, but it's entire systems that mm-hmm. form the collective common. 
uh, so the super system uh, organization of the Galactic Commons, not wanting to play ball with a certain group of people that is generally not well understood by the uh, GC, um, has some very unfortunate subtext yeah. in modern day contemporary politics. Um, mainly that once again, not to get into cultural hegemony in the last second because we can't. Uh, read Gramsci. Um, it's um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, no, but it's it's yeah. No, that that sadly, uh, we have to understand that uh, history is there in a room with you when you write. I've said it a couple of times. I'm probably going <laughs> to say it a couple more times. Uh, I'm so sorry, but not really. And so that's, that's I don't know. Um, that's a bit unfortunate. I don't blame. Um, Becky, are we on first oh, no. basis? Let's let's <laughs> let's say let's say first basis. Would you say would you Miss say that, that history has its eyes on you? Um, <laughs> probably. That's a that's a Leon Leon. That's a Hamilton. That's a reference to Hamilton. I don't, I've never watched. That's Hamilton. that's why I said it because I know I, you I, hate it. I I have never watched it, so I didn't get a reference. So I'm Me I'm pure. I'm clean. I'm I'm a good boy. I'm 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 God's strongest soldier. Um, it's, 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 uh, no, but once again, uh, it's it, it, very difficult. It's once, yeah. once again, it's tying into this notion that we have talked about before, like how we will always fill, uh, this element, but we can feel better. And, mm-hmm. uh, once again, just, I just want to remark upon it. I, I just to elaborate a little bit more on what you said. Becky. Of so, course. You guys talked for so long. I bought Baldur's Gate 3 in the meantime. <laughs> Because we're going off and on, I was like, I'm not happy to help. I then kind of did it subconsciously, and I feel bad because I should have listened. I was listening, Um, but it was just like, well, they're going on for a bit. Click, click. Uh, Oh, I wait. I have to buy this, (laughs) but it's still an early access, so I get the bonus thing. (laughs) I'm sorry, Frank. You can edit this out. I'm so sorry. No, no, keep it. No, no, no. Absolutely keep it in. I will keep your. They have to know his shame. No, fuck you. Took the voice right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even like that game. (laughs) We do love you, Leon. Okay. Well. Well. (laughs) Um. Okay, to, uh, to get to try and get us back on track, but on, on what you were mentioning, Leon, I I definitely agree. I, I think there's a, a very simple fact: people really don't know anything about the Toremi or the Toremi car, for that matter. They really don't. The most we get are some like archivist ar- archivist efforts that like, oh, we got this report that we kind of collated, and it's not entirely fact checked. But that's kind of this is what it seems that they know and what they don't know, and it becomes a, a another not not enjoyable plot point to me. That's like, oh, she didn't get this information, so it'll be trouble for them. Ooh, I that's that's such no, it's a it's frustrating. Yeah, such a cop out. So, but that that has the most information about them as a society or differing societies that we have most get. And we we really don't engage with them. They're always kept distant because they are distant. They are strange. They are um, alien. And there's never... I, I understand that most of the characters have reservations. They don't know. But they are... It's only, only ever to the point where it affects them. So the conclusion of the novel and, you know, that they're pulling out of this alliance and whatnot or pressuring the GC to do that or that it's not safe and whatnot, it's only important to them as 
these individuals or groups. So the macro becomes solved in big inverted commas uh, <laughs> by an individual micro solution that is like, okay, let's just not then. What about the what about the Toremika themselves, you know? And how about we don't? No, but you don't understand, Frank. Individuals solve complex multi-people problems all the time. <laughs> that's just what individuals do. We just need to wait for the right individual to come along. <laughs> and that's how all the problems will be solved. We as a collective don't have to do anything. Quite, quite. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's a good, <laughs> very good point. But yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that kind of annoyed me the most. It's like, the the term, and I'm sure, like sure, from the GC point of view themselves, like this is an, a, a greatly economic alliance and kind of political um, because like the Toremi have a large control over like their more important fuel resource, which we don't really know what it is, but it's called Ambi. And it's like this kind of thing from stars, something Super detritus. Oil. Sorry? Super oil. Super oil. Let's, <laughs> let's leave it at that. It's, it's, from a, it's a rare resource. You have to extract it. It's oil. Come on. <laughs> Fair <enough. yeah. laughs> it so, all comes back to oil. Yeah. Oh, black gold, black gold, uh, and Why? this space gold this time. The thing, so okay, that that's one aspect of it. But there's sure there's a political aspect. Okay, let's get a foothold into the galactic core because they circle or live around these different clans. They they kind of keep moving around the galactic core, something along those lines, and. Okay, so there is a political effort. It's like, okay, let's get in there or reach that territory or get in touch with them or something. And we never get any connection or in touch with the with the Toremika themselves. For having a single point of view at the end from this dissident, it's it's unfortunate that none of these other characters who are like, you know, trying to display empathy and trying to understand these different species, they really don't give a shit about the Toremika. And I feel like that's a bit of like, whoa, hold on a minute. You really don't know anything about them. You know very little. I mean, they talk about, you know, humans were warlike and whatnot and, you know, never given a chance. What if the Taremi cars are the equivalent to the Exodans? You don't know, do you? Yeah. So it's um, the historian in me was really frustrated about that. (laughs) No, that's fair. And again, I think I don't mind the narrative, like this larger macro narrative, the way I'm calling it this episode. And I don't mind the micro in in broad strokes either. But I feel like when they try to interconnect for this ending, because like you, you've got to at one point, you can't leave them a parallel and connect in infinity. They need to, uh, they need to get perpendicular at one point. They need to cross. Um, that's where I think it doesn't work as well. And and I think it's fine. A very stern, fine. It's one of these things where it's almost, it almost feels, you almost notice it more because the personal inter, you know, interconnection stories between each character, they feel like you almost wish that the, you know, as you put it, the macro was as good as the micro in in the broad senses. And it's like, it highlights, it's like when you get, um, it's like if you're really if you're reading a really bad book called Name of the Wind, and uh, you get little <laughs> slivers of <laughs> when it's actually like good, and you're like, damn, I wish the rest of the fucking book this hot this six hundred page book could be like this. Christ. I Holly, you you you're very bold. Yes, I know. About, 
I'm you're suffering. My claim. You're suffering. Putting your suffering out there. You just read one book that threatens to be good now and then. I read 14 of them, Holly. <laughs> you did. You did. Leon, I, I would regularly get messages Ooh. like, I'm on, I'm on to the eighth book of uh, uh, Wheel, Wheel of Time. time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Christ. I did too. How dare you stand where I have stood, Holly. <laughs> and I, mm, okay, no. But um, yeah, no, definitely. And yeah. Yeah, no. Having. I, I, yeah, like having having that comparison almost highlights it more. Like if the whole book wasn't that great, you maybe not know you might not notice it in the in the minutia as much. But because yeah. the interpersonal stories are so strong and have such this like this you know this warm blanket feel, it's almost highlighted how weak the you know the the overarching B plot almost is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it lacks the same gravitas and the same sense of consequence that the other stories do. This is essentially, once again, one of the bigger problems, or not problems, the bigger challenges of creating fiction. It is yeah. that we we need to make a functional separation between A and B plot, but we need to both address these plots with the same intensity. And yes. doing that is a skill, capital S skill. And Incredibly that's difficult. difficult skill. <laughs> Right, which is why creating fiction is hard. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not Only capitalized easy. hard. Yeah, and once again, it, it, that's, I'm not saying that people shouldn't try because of that. Uh, that's sometimes like a argument people make, like to make, like, oh, well, it's very difficult, so I don't think why you would think you're capable of doing that. Not what I'm getting at. It's just creating sympathy for, like, trying to do this and just recognizing that this thing that we're dressing up as once again as a complaint isn't is nevertheless yes still a complaint but done from the perspective that it's that we know it's not easy to do this like it's oh, one yeah. of the more difficult things of creating fiction i would argue yeah and i think we were addressing this criticism also as a sense of like respect for the book that's like you know mm-hmm. you achieve a lot and a lot that's good and it's driving at interesting things we want more of that and we want that throughout the entire book like i think it's the way holly puts it was best right that the interpersonal relationships and plots are the focus and that this wider macro plot is kind of the afterthought and it it kind of shows unfortunately it does kind of show it's okay it's okay i'll i'll go through later on tonight and i'll find the best fanfics i'll send them to y'all i'll find the best ones you go ahead to f- just DM Frank. <laughs> <It's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> so I I do find them. Um, so once again, I'm being again a dirty little hypocrite here, but um, I love it when a book treats me like a weird little guy, and just like shocks me. And when I say that, a lot of people take the wrong thing away from it. <coughs> Game of Thrones. <coughs> and um, sorry, I don't know what that was, but um. <laughs> But once again, a lot of shows rely on uh, TV shows, rely upon uh, shock value and killing off characters. And that has become such a trope that has deteriorated so fast. Yes. Um, If it was ever good, to be honest, um, it wasn't much to deteriorate there, to be honest, to begin with. But yeah, whatever. But but it has these... Um, I, I love... But I do love being shocked. But to do to, for me to be shocked, it needs to have a certain quality to it. It needs to, like inadvertently makes sense yeah like you want the shock to almost be secondary to 
like if someone dies, you want it to make narrative sense, uh, and then the shock be secondary, not oh, I want to shock the viewer, so let's kill this character, and I'll just figure out why. I'll come yeah. up with some reason. And yeah. I, I love them once again. I love the weird. I love the like the odd and whatnot. And um, so a, a, a comparison that I draw is is often between once again. I'm so sorry to talk about TV shows real quick, but I compare. And I'll try to illustrate what I mean. Is that I compare two TV shows to each other, the Netflix Daredevil series, and uh, a show that uh, you might not know. Uh, I I don't necessarily um, have any particular feelings about. Called Mister Robot, and and this um, and in this show, Mister Robot, they both take place in New York. Um, they both have main protagonists with with trauma, and I would argue superpower, and. Mm-hmm. Mr. Robot takes the chance to be as weird as it can get at times and does that great on you a little in the later seasons maybe but in season one it's it's delicious I think it's it's done so well is it odd is it uncomfortable yes but I like it I, I like being made uncomfortable asterisks mm-hmm. um, with anything but sexual violence and it's like I don't know it has like rich people in it and like they have a very classy house and suddenly the girl who lives there starts blasting death metal. And it's just not what you would expect. And it's these finer, it's these small, fine notions that are then woven into like a bigger portrait that makes mm-hmm. them individual. Or not individual, but at least stand out. And yeah. Daredevil does none of this. Daredevil is exactly what you would expect. Uh, it has generic rock music when the fight scene begins. It has like, there's nothing challenging any kind of paradigm in that entire show. I think it's a f- okay show. I have no strong feelings towards it one way or another. And that's exactly my point. I hate yeah. not having strong feelings about works. But then having given me strong feelings is not always, once again, and this is where the hypocr- hypocrisy comes in, or where people <laughs> who, who don't understand uh, logic think hypocrisy is, uh, because things can contradict each other. You don't have to be a hypocrite for that. Um, <laughs> Is that, the, oh, well, you're a hypocrite for, like, not liking a certain shock value things. So I'm like, ah, no, because there's still a certain amount of skill, once again, skill, skill issue, <laughs> um, to to building up these things. Yeah. So, sadly, then, this whole element of, like, the clone, cloning thing, that was just, for my feeling, yeeted in there. Yes. Didn't really work. Yeah. I don't know yes. how you guys It feels feel. like... It feels like halfway through the book was like, oh shit, I guess we gotta do something important with Corbin. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like, oh fuck, he's here, shit. Um, oh shit, yeah, I forgot Corbin. about him. <laughs> Which sci-fi uh, have a... I not checked off yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> like, she has like a, like one of those wheels beside her desk and she just spun it and it went, it was between like cloning and like, um, like secret undercover alien, like changeling, landed on clone. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that it landed on the cloning and not on the anti-Semitic alien conspiracy thing. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. The secret changeling. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's bad. <laughs> uh topical. So there's a certain Marvel Marvel since we're talking about Marvel shows. Oh Christ. Oh, I forgot that existed. Oh yeah, you should. Uh, not yeah, only because too. of the AI art in the beginning of the show. But um which is not AI, but uh yeah, anyway. I'm one of those people, I'm sorry. But yeah, so I don't know, that, that, that felt so jarring to me. Like, yeah. oh, it, it's also, okay, so why does it why does it feel, what could have saved it? 
is that we understand why cloning is evil to them. But we don't know anything about them, do we? Or not anything substantial. So it's just like this dude like charging into him. And that's it. It's like, ah, clone, bad. Okay. Um, which then does portray them as like some kind of bellicose society. This this uh this this violent or like you know capital punishment exhibiting society, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, not very interesting. So yeah, that was a very sour bite, and otherwise very lovely meal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I, I wanted to it's like oh. I think, and this dates back to the episode we released on the conceptual dimension, how do you portray uh, different species that aren't, you know, all good or all right, but still aren't horrible or evil or something? And it's difficult because the the species that uh, aren't, you know, all that all right or aren't that friendly on the same terms don't get a fair treatment is, is the impression I get in, in terms of the story and the telling. So yeah, I, I, it, it literally landed out of the sky, that one. I feel so-and-so about like obvious inserts about like, just like a little newsflash about clones, but we could have had a little, little newsflash about clones. About clones yeah. yeah. It would have been nice. Um, I yeah. don't understand why it is evil. Like what, what about their belief structure? Once again, and here we are again at the, at the exhibition part, exhibition uh, issue. But people are like, oh, exhibition evil, or people are heavily addicted to ex- exhibition. They want like whole essays and homeworks about it. And I'm like, I'm in between the middle. You need to like, you need to like know how to dose it. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Th- that sadly doesn't work for me. The ending. Also, it happens to a character. Yes, I've built some sympathy towards maybe kinda, but I don't like him. So yeah, <laughs> like especially because he's so you meet him at the start. Uh, the first the first time you meet him, it is through Ashby's POV. Yeah. Um, and you get a very clear. Okay, Corbin's Corbin's a stickler. He's be Corbin a is guy. <laughs> Corbin's Corbin's also like uh, he's a he's a solar human, so he's like pale and sickly. Uh, <laughs> And stays in the same. dark with his algae the whole time. Dude, um, same. He's he's the only white guy on board. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really the impression you get from him. Uh, like he's the he's the he's the. It's like it's like they it's like he's the he, he's the Odo, but without being as good as Odo. You know, he's the grumpy one. Like, <laughs> but then then the book just kind of forgets about him for a while, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. He just needed a story then and there, and yeah. we got one. Again, kinda. it's a shame because even like the whole clone thing, like like Leon was saying, like it could have had stronger potential, and that's it's almost like you're you know you're looking at Becky Chambers directly in the eye and saying, "Becky, Bex, I can <laughs> I call you Bex? I know you can do better. I've seen what you did with like Sissix and Jenks and Rosemary and uh, Lovey. Like, why did this one fall short? And I again like." You know, books books are hard. Writing is yeah. hard. Um, she does a fantastic job with, you know, pretty much most of the rest of the book. It's just a shame when we've seen how good some of the other stories can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do want to say that I do, real quick. I do find her treatment of the found family element far more interesting than your average found family. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that a lot of found family just essentially recreates nuclear family structures, <laughs> and I think this uh, this is this is this is fine. This is this is good because um, it doesn't like necessarily propose any structure, which I'll take it. Um, yeah. I'll I'll take it in comparison <laughs> to like once again uh, alternatives. Uh, uh, no, I'm not gonna mention. Nothing. Yeah, there's not. It's like there's a clear. Okay, there's like okay, like okay. So you're the mom, you're the dad. Like oh, yeah. you're the you're the older sit. Like there's not. It's mm-hmm. not. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, I like how. So Sissix, when the character is the Andrask, the reptilian, uh, race, uh, she explains to Rosemary that, um, Andrasks have three families. They have birth families. Uh, quote unquote bio, bio biological families. They have hatch families, and they have feather families. And feather families is Andrax. They can they who they choose to give a feather to. They they have chosen to uh, take these people as their family. Um, I've chosen my re- feather. Please respond. Exactly, and I really, I really love that, especially because I mean I mentioned earlier, but to me, found family is always a very it, it, to me it always feels like a very queer trope because a yeah. lot of queer people have to go about finding their own family after their own just has either you know sh- either either they have disconnected themselves from their family or has or their their birth family has disconnected themselves from them yeah and like speaking as huh, not to not to trauma jump on not my podcast but speaking <laughs> as someone speaking as sorry that's leon's job uh speaking as someone who has cut ties with her own mother for various reasons. Uh, I always like these stories of found family for very personal bias reasons, because, you know, like I am off a firm belief that family is absolutely like who you choose. Like the best part about being an adult is that you get to choose who is your family or not. You get to choose who is allowed into that inner circle of trust. Um, and I like the way that this book handles that and the, how it, just how it feels reading this and like, okay, no, I feel like these guys are, a found family like they've all come from different you know different areas different lives dr chef especially like we we don't get a ton of insight into his past until he's having a conversation with rosemary and he explains that he was a war doctor his to you know his race uh both sides starting started started using biological weapons and after his his like third daughter got killed he was like i can't do this anymore and he left and uh-huh. yeah, I think the fact that we learn that, you know, what, what they've all come from, like Dr. Chef in particular, um, but they all have potentially, you know, sorted, you know, traumatic backgrounds. And this is them just trying to make a living, trying to live uh, and how they, you know, they do it together and they, they trust each other, especially. But I, I really, I really like that idea of feather family. Like you, it is an honor to receive one of those feathers. Um, you know, you, it is an honor to be, to be chosen to be someone's family. It's not something gifted by birth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. (laughs) I think it's then too bad that a specific cultural element of the humans didn't change. And it's as close as we get to a proper critique of class structure, which is that we find out that Rosemary's family is selling weapons to the conflict of Chef's family. Um, The Toremi. Yeah. Right or no? It's it's not chef's family. Chef's family was uh, chef's uh, species was just a a similar thing. But yeah, Rosemary's dad is supplying biological weapons to both sides. Yeah, um, and it's why she fled in the first place. Halfway through the book, 
they're taking shelter from a, uh, a giant alien bug swarm. Also a very fun, very fun sci-fi trope. Giant alien bugs, always good. Gotta <laughs> love it. And they see, you know, Rosemary sees her dad get arrested on the news. And she's, you know, she she hasn't told the crew or anything because of course, of course not. She's terrified they're gonna they're gonna ostracize her and like she's lied to them and they all are like, no, like, of course you ran. Like that's your dad. You know, his actions don't reflect on you. Yeah, and it's once again, it's it's not to hammer on this point, but um it is it is an interesting example because it's where class and culture kind of meet or rather do not meet. It's how mm. class can operate outside of culture in a very indirect way, but sadly, its actions can then still echo throughout actual culture. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting then how, once again, a large part of humanity has this pacifist uh, attitude, but it's once again, not the capitalists, uh, no. not the people who, who like, you know, in the privileged class, because once again, that's where Rosemary's from. And the people who have like a home on Mars who can essentially sort of kind of go on as work. Uh, not entirely, yeah. of course. Uh, and I don't know how that goes without like, I don't know how much, um, I don't know how much Mars is terraformed. Is that ever talked about? I don't uh, think so. No, we're missing I'm a lot of resources remember. is what I'm saying. We're missing, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know how they can produce bioweapons um, when, <laughs> when they have to clone meat. But uh, yeah, no, it's whatever. It's, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, it's it's this interesting condemnation of that type of class of the war criminal slash, uh, you know, very much the upper echelon of so those societies, mm -hmm. of of non-solar of like of Martian society. Yeah, there's a different word for it, but I'm gonna call it Martian. Um, Fair enough. Yes, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know why it's called Solon humans instead of diasporic humans. Just use the actual terms. Come on. Um, it's, it's, which is fine. But anyway, so that's then, uh, which is then once again indicative of what we said earlier, and I'm so sorry, but, um, how these macro, micro, um, micro and macro things do not always line up. And I think that would have been a really interesting, once again, I, I would have loved a more wholehearted condemnation, um, in a plot elements type of way from Ro uh, Rosemary's family. And maybe for Rosemary to get some justice on them in some way or form that she would have been instrumental in, like I don't know, at at the very least, declawing their her old family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe that happens in the next book. I don't know. I haven't read it, mm -hmm. um, so I can only like you know judge it on this on, on the merits of this book alone. But yeah, I don't know. I think that would have been better than clone plot. That's my <laughs> yeah. final plot. I'm sorry. That's that's it. No, that makes sense. <laughs> As far as I know, I think the books are all they're interconnected to a sense. I know that one of the books follows Lovey, like as as she is uh Lovelace, you know, as she as she relearns to be a, herself, I guess, you know, after the hard reset, because after once she leaves the ship. I think they're all I'm not sure exactly how interconnected they are though. I know it's obviously obviously same universe, same world, but I'm not sure if it's like, okay, and this follows these characters that you already know. I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's called the Wayfarer series, so I, I I gotta assume the ship is still there. I could, I would hope so. I'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> it wants to be the Evan Hawk so bad. Let's get, just get <laughs> <laughs> no, you you know what ship it wants to be, and it's not the Evan Hawk. It's the other one, the not the Falcon? Star Wars one. The oh. other one. Uh, uh... The Rocinante. 
Oh, Rosalante. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. No, because Ros- uh, I don't know. Uh, there's always like at least someone on the Rosalante of the original crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but never mind. Never mind. Tune in next month. Tune in next month. Tune in next month. So, is there anything else that, for Frank's sake, because we're approaching <laughs> the ungodly editing amount? Um, no, ungodly. It's two and a half hours or more. This this is okay. I'll be fine. Um, and you can throw away a lot, so you're probably gonna like <laughs> cut off ten minutes yeah, as well. Exactly. <laughs> Just like chunk it out. As a peek behind the curtain, uh, because of many internet issues, and we finally broke the loop. I only have the latest uh, full time, and it's not that much. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, Leon, I will send you the other idea. <laughs> Christ, feel it's free just, to. It was just me and Leon riffing for like 10 minutes. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I yeah. think I said, I think I've said, I think I've talked about all the things I like about this book, things I think we could be better. Looking forward to reading the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope, I honestly, my major hope for this, like... Is that you get to talk about it with us again. I know, I know. It's, yes, it's, is the, okay, two things. <laughs> I want more, I want more hot aliens. Yeah. Okay, okay three, three things, True. but one is, I want more hot aliens. Yes. I would love Becky Chambers to write Give me just like a smut novella in this series. Okay, well, I don't know about that. Let me just give me, let me, game. let's like, game. Becky, Becky, let's get freaky. Just get a little freaky with it. Thanks. Yeah. I uh, I do support that in spirit, if not indeed. Exactly. I'll <laughs> if, if it ever happens, I'll let you know. I'll give you my review. Three, I just, I hope they give me that same warm feeling that made me like this book so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite all its flaws, I, this was the book that really got me reading uh again for the like properly for the this was the book that i think this was the fastest i'd read a book in a long time like you kind of hit a certain point i just kept reading and i couldn't put it out and i just spent a whole day reading it because it was just oh i just i had such a short book good it's such a short book Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i hope hope that it gives me that feeling again. And if it does, I will be happy and at least mostly satisfied. And, you know, despite all the things that we've talked about uh, that could be better, I would, I still highly recommend this book uh, for all of its good points, but specifically for that, that feeling. Fair. Okay. How about you, Frank? I I think I, I just want to mention it briefly. I, I've read so far three Becky Chambers books, the novella To Be Taught If Fortunate, Song for the Wild Build, and now A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. And it's interesting because To Be Totally Fortunate hits some of the same issues where A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet hits for me, which are the connection between the large scope and the small scope. And it's shorter because it's a novella, it's a very short novella, and it's trying to connect some of those points. And I'm also dissatisfied with that ending, but I find this one lands more because these relationships, these connections that are ongoing and that you follow these characters throughout the book, they last longer and they are more impactful and more meaningful, even if it hits some of the same issues. And the reason I like A Song for the Wild Belt so much is because the sole focus on the micro in that environment and that setup of the world as like, this is what it is. And there are references to kind of stuff and we dig into a handful of different things, but not very much. It, it allows Becky Chambers to create a meaningful, focused micro work without some of the so far uh, issues we've seen in like the connecting with this larger scope. So it's just something I wanted to mention very briefly. It's like how my 
how I stand with her work so far and how I think that, I mean, I, I definitely think she can eventually hit that point. It's like, yeah, no, connecting both and having it stick. But so far, it hasn't happened yet. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to, to when it happens because, um, you know, she carries on writing, carries on improving. I'm confident that she'll get there. Or at least I hope so. Yeah. Well, we will find out, I guess, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> when Frank deigns me to do the, the respect of finishing reading books sometimes. So. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but um, at, at least they finished three books. So, you know, we're, 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 we're making progress. Slow, agonizing progress, but we are making progress. It's, we are. We I have are. another friend that might be close or not that has disappointed me even more so. So I don't know. <laughs> He's talking about me. <laughs> Listen, she says uh, gleefully. Holly has had more than two years, more than two years to finish the Witcher books. She hasn't. I've only got like two left. I'm. I started reading. I started reading uh, Tower of the Swallow. She hasn't, and um, it's <laughs> it's I don't know. Uh, okay. Anyway, Holly, you had a segment for us. Yes. Uh, once again, we're playing Smasher Pass. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go down the list of the main characters, which I have written, and then I'm going to try and remember any other side characters. Ashby. Smash. <laughs> Smash, but I think I think he'd, he, he would have to bottom. <laughs> okay. But he has a cool middle eye, right? Or something like that. It's... Yes, like a something, right? Sure. Um, I don't think that's uh, top energy. Uh, I don't know. He's a pacifist. Uh, okay, you I, okay? But you can't tell I, me that Pay doesn't peg him. Like, come on. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's that's that's. Speaking yeah. of Pay, Smash, Smash, <laughs> Smash. Yeah, there we go. We're all of good taste. Um, Rosemary, Smash. Oh. Um, maybe after like two years of therapy. Yeah, we we can go have a nice dinner and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I but... I don't want to try and fix her, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no I'll make her worse. So I, will, <laughs> I will make this woman worse. <laughs> yeah, I think pass. Uh, Sissix, oh smash, smash. Yeah. Like you're telling me there's a queer polyamorous uh reptilian uh aliens? Fucking sign me up. Yeah, Fucking scaly. <laughs> no, I, I just you know, I I pick I I think of Sussex, and I think of something that vaguely resembles Garrus, but just more reptilian in the face. Oh, okay, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I do love that segment that she's like talking with Doctor Chef. It's like humans are so fucking weird, and like they just need like to vent a little bit. Yeah, which I do think yeah. was really cute. But no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Kizzy, I think pass. I don't think I could keep up. I don't think I could keep up. No. Um, Jenks, uh, I think, also pass. Also pass. Uh, again, I look. He clearly has a type, and I am not that type. Nope, me neither. Uh, what about you, Leon? You didn't say for the two. Yeah, of no, them. Holly just blasted me by. Um, it's what? It's keep up. <laughs> no, I was trying to. And you just started yelling. Um, <laughs> Uh, with Kissy, I ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you can hit it once. Got mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can you can hit it once, and re- you respectfully agree it was fun, but let's not make it a habit. <laughs> and yeah, no, as I said, there needs to be a lot of preemptive 
agreement uh, to the whole process, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which one was the one after that? Jenks. Jenks. Well, um, I am on the spectrum, but I don't think I'm enough on the spectrum <laughs> to to substitute a AI girlfriend. So I, I'm sadly not AI girlfriend enough for him. Okay. Lovey. When she has when she has the, the, the body. Smash. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Smash. 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 What about uh, Lovey without the body? I mean, oh, yeah, still, still, yeah. Yes. What that shit? What what that ship do? <laughs> um. Yeah, I'd be. What I'd, the ship? I love big boats. Mm, I cannot lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know. It's, it's doubtful. Doubtful. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Corbin, pass. Pass. He's mm. he's always described as being very clammy, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, he spends too much time with the LG. Yeah. I don't look like an LG, so I'm not his type, so I'm going to pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Chef, pass, but only because, like, not the vibes. Not the vibes. Oh. I just, I do not wish to smash. I just wish to give him a very big hug. I, I want to be his best friend, but uh, yes. yeah, pass. Yes. I uh, do think, shut up, Holly, it's my turn. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's so rude. It's so rude. I've never, never, never not been nice to Holly, and and this is how she. Oh yeah, Leon's never not been nice to me. I've never been mean ever. No, never. Way to show my love. I do think Doctor Chef is a very caring lover, but oh yes, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 it feels like a very kind uncle. That yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. uh, I, uh, uh, that's just that. For some people, that really does it. Um, for me, not not so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Ohan, I think I'd smash. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I think I'd try nice. at least once. Uh, I always want to fuck a high point. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. I think I think both. I think I would. I would definitely. I would smash. But both. Bef- while while they are. Uh, you know, connected with the virus and afterwards. I think both. I think I'd be pass. I'd be curious for to try the difference. <laughs> Respectful pass. Uh, fair, understandable. Um, oh. where's I? I pulled up characters. I think that's I think that's everyone. Is there anyone else? Like any other? Would characters? you fuck away fair? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, no. Go on. <laughs> Is there any other characters, or is, while we're t- just as a quick side, is there any other like really quick side characters that you that stood out to you that like you just liked in passing? Um, I would have liked to know more about Pepper. Yes. Or hung Pepper, around yeah. her some more. I I can only assume because that's that's who I think I think she's probably going to be more important in a I think it's a closed and common orbit. Um mm. I think I think she is a more recurring character in in other books. Yeah, it makes sense. Um yeah, Pepper was very cool. I liked I really liked the um Kizzy's friends uh who all they all <laughs> like who they 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 take shelter with during the bugs. Yeah. Very They're cool. fun. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I think we have smashed and I think we have passed. Oh, we have. Yes, thank you as always for uh, 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 going along with my shenanigans. 
Well, thank you for, for joining us for such a great fun time, Holly. Genuinely. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me once more. Um, I can't wait to see where this nepotism leads me leads me next. Probably gay vampires. <laughs> oh, I do love gay vampires. Ooh. Look, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, if y'all ever do a What We Do in the Shadows episode, I will be insufferable. Okay. <laughs> Noted. We, we were thinking about some other gay vampires, but, but, who knows? Someone fucking end the episode. Come on. Oh, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's my podcast now. So thank you all for listening here on the left page. If you like this, feel free to support us on Patreon. It's always much appreciated. Um, there's a very cool Discord where uh, you can get all the Eel Pit Man updates you could ever want. Um, and it's generally fun. And uh, you can come bully Leon with me. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.